2: Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Friday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We are bundled up and ready to go. Uh, we are open, wide open this first hour. can dial us up 466-3776. 466-3776. 800-825-5865. Email chris at hailvarsity.com. And find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah. And in hour two, we'll check in on some hoops and volleyball with Jacob Padilla from Hale Varsity. One hour from now, the Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports' Bill Dolman. We'll get into some NFL thoughts on J.J. Watts' release. The Moose speaks. Bill Moose spoke with the Journal Star earlier today and some insight on, on what he'd like and uh, still what's happening with the waiting game for Ireland. So that is on the docket to chat about Nebraska basketball, Illinois, and Kofi. <laughs> and number six roll into uh, PBA this evening. Some tweaks to the Nebraska basketball schedule have a lot of folks frustrated on Twitter, and, and I, I completely get that. So some time and some thoughts, uh, some more thoughts from Coach Hoyberg. We didn't get to all of them yesterday. And we touched on this a little bit, and uh, friend of the show is Mitch Sherman. We have him on every Tuesday. His uh, story dropped in the Athletic, I believe it was Wednesday or Thursday. I think it might have been yesterday, when it comes to the wild decade in Lincoln, and it was in reference to everybody kind of getting together and saying, man, Tennessee's been a a dumpster fire. Tennessee's been a nightmare. And Mitch is like, you know, it's it's not been smooth sailing in Lincoln for 10 years, and as a Nebraska fan, you know that. You're hoping things get turned around, and you're hoping things go much better as you see some of the the player – introductions uh, put out on social media by the Nebraska football staff specifically Gabe Irvin i thought that was pretty cool now he said that uh, the the back he likes to style himself after or the back he likes is Melvin Gordon and immediately <laughs> that's a, that's a good thing if if Nebraska can eventually flip a Melvin Gordon type performance back against Wisconsin. But it's been a, a nutty decade. And the way I look at, at Mitch's story here and the the rankings when it comes to just a crazy bunch of events, uh, you've got old Johnny Bishop and uh, Andy Kendi and, and old Suitsy, Kevin Suits, were consulted on this, that you know as as guys who have covered the program Elijah Herbal put on his uh, detective hat and went through the uh, the Schmidt audio files and brother I think you struck some gold it's one thing to talk about it and i know some of you're like you know shut up why are we why are we rel- reliving this It's a story to talk about we'll get into some substantive things as well but if if you were to break down like an ncaa tournament style bracket you've got your clear one seeds but i think it's up for debate which may be most shocking the last 10 years with nebraska football beyond the tape tape number one let's clarify beyond tape number one that got released but what's what's second place what second place of things that just kind of wowed you and in Mitch's list you got to talk about the strain a little bit
3: there's no reasonable reason considering where the defensive
0: program was at to believe that they should be able to do everything that needs to be done in the game
3: to 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 win the game, the strain is spectacular, right? So we can just go back and look at the game. And you see, do you see the strain? I mean, do you see it? Or no? Or is it just something that I'm missing? Right? You can't play a game like that God. and win. Right? So the things that happened in the game create like an impossible circumstance to win against a great team, right?
2: Do you have those drugs you are on, and will you share? The thing that kills me is like whenever
0: you go back and watch that. video- I was right
2: next to him. It just looks so awkward. All of our faces are blank. It's like we're <laughs> in class. We didn't study for the quiz, and we got to know the answer. We are waiting for him in that post game to like start calling out people like he's a teacher in class. All right, what do you think about this, Mr. Schmidt? Um, uh, repeat, please. We all glaze over. And there's there's a massive humanity huddled around him, and short of kind of turning and looking at one another once in a while there was a side eye if you're standing next to Mitch, you're standing next to Shay, or you're standing next to Aaron or you're standing next whoever or Vogues is there and and you just all we needed was was someone to to make a wise crack, and I think the room would have lost it because we're all standing there. You know, in suits. He's behind his camera filming, and we're just what, what's he talking about? And and Dirty Bob just talked too much, and and clearly somebody likes him because he keeps getting hired, and then he's fired, and then he's hired again. I mean, there, there's somebody who loves him, uh, and <laughs> we're speaking of a decade. We're working on a decade since his. Landmark Notre Dame defense. Now, there's no reasonable reason you, as a head coach, let your, your air quote, GM uh, blow out Mark Banker (laughs) and bring in this clown. That's not on the list. I'm not here to critique the list, but there's moments that are not included on the list. We're talking just, why has Nebraska been so bat bleep crazy the last 10 years? With the football program, I mean, there's the you know the uh, the cat didn't make it. Obviously, you've got Jack's run, which was sweet, but just from a we're off the rails. There's a lot to choose from, and I, I think the most piled-on character is probably Diaco, and his defense's performance warrant that. The fact he was making like his assistants on defense run sprints before practice warrant that, and any answer he tried to give you, you just stop and
0: mesmerize because you're watching a vehicle on the side of the road on fire. I still can't figure out if during the strain speech if he's trying to throw his team under the bus or if he's trying to like encourage them and say they did well. I still can't figure it out what he's trying to say. I think he's talking about in his own twisted way of saying... Well, you know,
2: there's a long ways to go on defense, and they shouldn't have it mastered by now. That's all you got to say. We need to get better. Next question. Bob, why don't we pressure anybody? Don't have anybody.
0: (laughs) But you can see the The strain. strain. They're trying. (laughs) (laughs) The translation has finally been cracked. It's like the Husker basketball team on offense sometimes. I can see the strain. I I got, you know, and we'll get there. Just, yeah, I'm just going to send us off the rails. No,
2: please. we'll get there. But, yeah, you want to talk about visualizing uh, said strain? It's watching somebody dribble into four people and get a charge called. Take a drink. <laughs> so, I, I know the, the the bow tape. Listen, as, as I look back and I look at Polini's personality, and I only had a couple of instances with him like it was media days and we're there and it's the first time Nebraska's at Big 10 media days the first ever Big 10 media days and that was that was a blast because Nebraska brought Levante and and brought uh, a number they brought three players but it was it was great i mean in Nebraska thankfully the Big 10 every coach made their way over it's phenomenal i mean aside from Joe Paw but that's okay. I mean, we're talking D'Antonio, we're talking Fitzgerald, we're talking who else was there? Uh uh Ference. I mean, it was really cool to sit down B-Lama. It was really cool to sit down with all these head coaches. And by going, you get a chance to do that and meet some of the players that were really cool. And I I look back at it at, at nebraska's transition into the big 10 and then you fast forward and there's the strain listen bo bo just was an unhappy dude bo had a lot of pressure on him and i think as as much of that pressure was himself and i i kind of i was pissed when they fired him not because i'm i'm mr bo pelini fan club but the guy I, I know the, the losses and blowouts were embarrassing when Wisconsin would, would run for lots of yards on you. And I know there were some some moments of <laughs> tenseness, and I know there were moments of big-time meltdowns. You, you were, as a Nebraska fan, during the Politi era, you were waiting for something bad to happen on defense. And I don't think they had bad players. I don't think they're bad coaches. They just... Couldn't solve Wisconsin. They beat Iowa. Most of the time, they beat Northwestern. I think they didn't lose to Northwestern. I think Minnesota got him when Jerry Kill was there a couple of times. But Nebraska won nine or ten games. And some of us, depending on your children and depending on how my kid acts, you may offer up your firstborn for another nine or ten win season. <laughs> okay? Because that's what he was <laughs> delivering every time. The UCLA games kind of sucked. Where you're up by a ton, and then they crank out thirty unanswered. But we
0: didn't lose to Illinois. It wasn't even a game. On the flip side, I think yeah, you right. blew out Illinois. You're every embarrassed time.
2: about losing to Illinois now, and you're ticked off about Melvin Gordon running for four bills on you in the snow. The thing that you forget about is you're up thirteen points in that. You're up seventeen to three in that Wisconsin game. You came out with a great offensive and defensive game plan, and then one play sent thing into an episode of confidence issues and, oh, no, we found the weakness. Let's keep attacking it. Nebraska didn't have an answer. You saw it happen against Wisconsin. You saw UCLA do it. You saw a breaking point. Nebraska was in every one of their games they lost. They never stepped on the field and got annihilated early. There are games they get blown out. There's games they came back after being blown out. And there's games that, I mean, there's a lot of, you want to talk about one-score games? You want to talk about being down by double digits? You want to talk about miracle finishes beyond the Hail Mary? There was about six or eight games in the Politi era where Nebraska had no business winning. And they found ways to do it. That's kind of what I took with me with his era. And that's why you don't blow him out because you can't stand him or don't like him as an athletic director or as chancellor. So I know, man, this is time warp time, forgive me. But with Bo, yeah, he's gonna he is he is masterful at the F bomb. Clearly. You talk to any of his former players, the guy can say the F bomb with the best of him. And if you leave him when you're down by twenty, that's a sign of lack of loyalty. He's gonna take it personally and be pissed about it and use it to feed his team to get him ready for next week. It's an energy draining way to go about coaching and 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 me, us against the world, but it worked. It worked nine and four every year. It worked ten and four every year. and you would absolutely love that right now. You're getting embarrassed now as it is to Illinois. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> at least you were beating them back then. So this list is great. Mitch did a nice job with the story. But as far as the biggest like goofball or moment, I know the audio the audio didn't surprise me then, and you want to talk about like conspiracy theory, tinfoil hat. somebody's got it out. Clearly, if, if somebody's leaking two tapes on a head code, somebody wanted him gone. It happened. He's not had a great run uh, aside from the one year at Youngstown. Nebraska has not had a great run uh in in the last 10 years other moments that are up for discussion uh you've got you've got the 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 north star gathering of players where he got recorded again you've got the strain that came in number two calabrasca you want to talk about whiffing yet one dude that's still holding steady from the calabrasca movement bless his heart Markel Dismuke. Everybody else is just gone. And quite frankly, nobody's really amounted to much. Although Keyshawn Jr.'s in the NFL somehow on a roster in Arizona. But, I mean, we we, we haven't even scratched the surface here of suing the Big Ten. Uh, I-Course saying Uncle. To hey, Uncle Barry hey, can, with can with into, Black
0: Friday. Can we get into moments that like are off the list that should be on the list? Well, yeah, segment? yeah. What what we we do that? What 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 am I missing? There's got to be some Carl Plini moments in there, or just some Carl Plini stories, right? Well, I mean, Carl,
2: the Carl stuff was. I think Carl ended up going to Florida Atlantic at some point.
0: Yeah, he did. I thought was, he was kind of like a not a run out of town, but didn't like his his name was kind of getting thrown through the mud here.
2: Yeah, around town. That, but That's the other thing. I mean, it sucks. It's great, and it's terrible to be a coach in Nebraska. We'll uh, continue on. 466 377 6800 8255
1: 865 Chime in. 402-466-ESPN. Or email the show. Chris at HailvartCity.com.
0: Just try me.
2: Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Teo Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Bill Dolman coming up in uh, about 40 minutes Sprite of Fairbury NBC Sports. And Jacob Bedello, we're going through Mitch Sherman's story. Didn't spend as much time on it as we wanted to yesterday. We talked about uh, the Hymas interview and great stuff on culture building by Gary Barnett. What he walked into at Northwestern. Check that interview out, or we'll have it tomorrow morning for The Rewind, 466-377-6800-825-5865, numbers to get in. Or can tweet at Schmidt underscore radio at Elijah Herbal, as in Herbal Essence. So we're going through the uh, wackiness of the last decade with Nebraska. We'll get into some Husker hoops in a bit. And also some J.J. Watt news, as he has now uh, been released. There, There's some moments here that, Polini and Diaco were the headlines and the soundbite. But I don't know that we can ever honestly put into true context just how damning the iCourse Athletic Director gig and, and tenure was for the program. I mean, you wanna you wanna know why you're you're set back? It's it's because of of that decision to T.O.'s Gonzo, you bring in Eichhorst, and then you uh, you trade Bo for for Grandpa. Grandpa's a nice enough guy, good dude, good coach in certain settings, but not here. (laughs) And the administration was flat out a mess. And you saw that with, with performance. You saw that with decision-making. You saw that with scheduling. And, I mean, it just felt like, okay, uh, let's, let's give Wisconsin, you know, where I came from, what they want in a rivalry showdown with Iowa on Black Friday. The, I, I think the bigger, one of the bigger missteps in the last 10 years of this list Mitch Sherman put together was when you just handed off Black Friday with Iowa. Didn't even bat an eye at it. You played a Friday night game and you were going to take on Minnesota. And not only did he blow out Bo and his answer was Riley, but then he pissed Iowa off and they've, they've got that that bulletin board thing. Uh, what's the uh, laminated right? The well, I had to consider where Iowa was at. <laughs> Comment by iCourse on 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 the way out the door. That ticked Iowa off to no end. They're still pissed about it. And guess what? They've taken it out on Nebraska every time since. That's that's a biggie on this list. Uh, you have. The uh, couple of Frost moments on here with Frost kind of going off on people wearing hoodies, sweatshirts, and also the Iowa clapping. I, I get that. Wisconsin, what they've done two different times, 2012 and 2014, with how they went off with the, uh, the jet sweep that murdered Nebraska and the, the <laughs> Big Ten title game and then Melvin Gordon's game. There's been a lot of forgettable moments. Lower on the list, again, during the Riley era, was that Illinois game. Illinois has come up a lot. Illinois 2015, do you know where you were? You remember the game. We had a house full, and Nebraska's up 13-0, chugging along, chugging along. And then, oops, here comes brutal clock management. And let's see if Illinois can go 72 yards in 55 seconds. And they fire up Geronimo Allison in the end zone for the game winner, 14-13. What just happened? (laughs) And by the way, Geronimo Allison went to Iowa Western Community College, and he was a 6'4", 210-pound wide receiver that's been in the NFL since he left Illinois. Nobody bothered to recruit him here to Lincoln for some reason, that Illinois game, my list is different. It's not number three. It doesn't bump Bo at North Star. It doesn't bump uh, the post-Ohio State audio. It doesn't bump Diaco. But the combination of of and, and games during the Riley era, I mean, ask yourself this. What are you more ticked about as a Nebraska fan? The, the Bow era losses or the Riley-era losses. We can even kind of open it up because you've had some really tough losses as a Nebraska fan during the Frost era. I mean, those have not been fun either. But guess what? It'll stop snowing and being minus 80 outside at some point. There'll be football. They'll be winning football again someday. I don't believe it's left the state forever.
0: The, the the one I think needs to be further up higher on the list uh, it's at number 17, as where Mitch has it, and that's Northern Illinois' win over Nebraska in Lincoln. And uh, that's, That at least got i whacked. That, that stands out in my memory, though, because that was my freshman year of college. I was in the student section, and uh, Nebraska's driving down the field really well, first possession, and then boom, Tanner Lee pick six. And, <laughs> and the student section just knew at that point. You knew after that Arkansas State game the week before where you almost blew it at the end. And then Northern Illinois comes to town, lowly Northern Illinois, and really beats the rails off Nebraska. What's the final score now? I think we lost by... 21-17. Yeah. Yeah. 21-17. I thought it was 28-17 in my memory, but... No, well, yeah,
2: and Spielman took one back to the house. I mean, it was... One of those games that didn't feel as close as the final score indicates. No, I I mean, I remember a professor coming up to me at at halftime saying, "Um, if they were to switch uniforms, you couldn't tell... You'd think Nebraska was winning because you had a Northern Illinois team that was way more physical, mm-hmm. as fast as Nebraska, and did what they wanted. Made a lot of plays. Yeah, it's it's funny because you've you've had Troy and you've had Northern Illinois walk in here and and do their thing, and
0: that just does not sit well
2: with Nebraska fans.
0: So I remember that Northern Illinois game, I just felt like I was sitting in the twilight zone in the student section. And it was yeah. Who didn't shock that one up as a win that year, dude? It was we're talking 2017, 2017 right? Yeah, and it was it was Mike Carley's last year, and yet you saw that the team you was kind of going why. downhill. But also, you weren't expecting a Northern Illinois loss. That was just that was one where That one took the wind out of my sails for just about an entire season. Well, and I'll say this:
2: your um, backstory with Nebraska football, growing up, watching, being a fan. Mm-hmm. There's been some moments of fun, but it's nothing compared to what us old guys grew up with, where, where it was, who are you playing for the national title and who are you beating? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the, the Northern close- Illinois, yeah, they're on the schedule and they're going to maybe get a backdoor cover, but Nebraska
0: will win. I mean, the, the big wins, quote unquote, I remember for Nebraska are uh, Roy Hellu going for like 300 yards against Missouri. Yeah, But that was a top 10 win. Top 10 win. And then the other one I can think of is uh, Michigan State coming town. Kirk Cousins led team. Yeah, that, Another top 10 team. Those are the closest things I have towards Nebraska being And like, Nebraska
2: rolled both of those teams. Rolled them.
0: Mm-hmm. I was in the stands for both of those. And I remember thinking, ah, like, this is what like everyone's talking about. The Nebraska in the 90s. or winning the big games. But
2: And then you, you slip up against Northwestern the week after. Mm-hmm.
0: I believe after that Missouri game, you slipped up against Texas. I think that was 2010.
2: You slipped up to start the conference season against Texas. Texas yeah. But then you won against Oklahoma State, and then you won against Missouri. You got hosed at A&M badly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the other thing. Some of the games, like when I talk about craziness, uh, you have that night in A&M where Bose Mount Paulini going off the whole Taylor Martinez phone call at halftime situation that to me is part of this craziness list or or should be that's that's number one on mine but the fact nebraska played so well defensively that should have been six to three nebraska win good night and they were flagged 15 times some of the penalties were warranted some were ticky tacky and a couple of them were absolutely costly costly and it didn't help that by each flag that flew you were wondering if if Pelini was going to go over and and hunt the the referees down physically because we know what what shook out afterwards with some camera guys and um that was interesting couple that didn't make the list for
0: you um I want to go to, to 20, because I thought it was an interesting inclusion on the list. Um, one that I thought bizarre. I'm not sure if it's worthy to the list. Uh, and that was Jack Ganguish uh, with the, oh, selfie the with the, the raccoon. raccoon. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was bizarre, though. Beat the hell out of it with a
2: tire iron. It was nice. So, yeah, there's some on here. There's some that got omitted. But, I mean, Mitch was pretty thorough with this. Uh, let's jump into a little bit of some Moose talk. Bill Moose had some time with the Journal Star. So, some revelations here with the cost of COVID testing. $4.5 million price tag is what it costs for the last four and a half months to test athletes. So, the Big Ten pays for it up front. It's deducted from the school's take-home TV pay or take-home pay from the conference. Uh, 28% of student-athletes league-wide Tested positive for COVID-19. That's between 2,500 and 3,000. So where are things at with Ireland? Wait and see. Nebraska, the Illinois Brass, and the Big Ten are supposed to get connected in the short term. Single game season, I should say single game tickets are supposed to go on sale on Monday for that game. But if Nebraska is not playing in Ireland against Illinois, they are still going to try and push for a week zero start in the end of August, which I think will be good. Uh, Moose is wanting to get some fans in the stands for baseball and softball. Uh, We'll see where that push goes. It's still kind of up to the league. Uh, We'll spend the next segment here talking some Nebraska basketball. Do you feel like uh, the league's taking it out on Nebraska with some of the scheduling? You've had Jawan Howard sound off. Uh, Michigan's going to have to play, if they want to make things up, I think 11 games in 22 days and – Fab Five member now head coach Jawan Howard slamming the brakes on that Nebraska's run, similar, uh, where you're going to be playing like every other day it feels like. Great to be with you on a Friday. Hail Varsity Radio. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
1: And we're back, fellas. So, Think we could listen to the radio?
2: On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
4: Yes. That's
2: awesome. Thanks for spending time. It's our City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We'll uh, do some NFL here, and then we'll get to some Nebraska basketball. But, well, fare thee well, J.J. Watt. Now, he had a 16-game uh, schedule this year, which is nice because that's uh, the second time since 2015 that he was able to make it through an entire season he's had quad he's had knee he's had elbow issues and uh, here is j.j watt's uh, social media
4: message to the texan fans i want to do this on video uh, as opposed to putting out a statement or doing a press conference or anything like that because i want you guys to hear it directly from me i want to speak directly to you and the city of houston um so you can hear the words straight from my mouth I have sat down with the McNair family, and I have asked them for my release, and we have mutually agreed to part ways at this time. I came here 10 years ago as a kid from Wisconsin who'd never really been to Texas before, and now I can't imagine my life without Texas in it. The way that you guys have treated me, besides draft night, I mean, you guys booed me on draft night, but every day after that, you treated me like family, and I truly feel like you're my family. Since that day, I have tried to do everything in my power to work and earn your respect and try and make you proud on and off the field. You guys have given me everything and more and i can only hope that you feel like i've given you everything i have the city of houston has been unbelievable to me it's where i met my wife um, it's where i've met lifelong friends and my teammates um, i've had incredible coaches and training staff and equipment staff and cafeteria workers and the weight room staff and uh, the front office people and people on the streets people in restaurants and grocery stores and showing up in my house um, the connection is special, and I will never, ever take that for granted because I know how rare it is. I'm excited and looking forward to a new opportunity, and I've been working extremely hard. But at the same time, it is, it is always tough to move on. And I just want you guys to know that I love you. I appreciate you. I appreciate the McNair family for giving me, uh, drafting me, and giving me my first opportunity in the NFL. Thank you, Houston. I love you.
2: Nice message from J.J. Watt. There were no tears, which is fine, but he is absolutely getting out of a dire situation. So the face of the franchise is gone. Deshaun is still there, but Deshaun will, if he has to, tunnel his way out of Houston. He wants a ring, does J.J. Watt. This is a rebuild. Uh, The future's unknown. By the way, you don't have to pay me $17.5 million that wasn't guaranteed anyway, so peace out. The Texans got nothing for Clowney, nothing for the Honey Badger. Uh, you got a, a back that's seen better days, who we all like, and David Johnson, for Hopkins. J.J. Watt has walked. Deshaun Watson will no doubt hammer his way out. And then you have Laramie Tunzel, who you traded for, he of the infamous bong mask on draft night. Good, good, good tackle. But that's what you have. Mm-hmm. You had the, the the president resign, and right now, uh, David Culley, guy who's waited his whole life to be a head coach. There's not enough fire trucks for him to call in Houston, and it kind of comes down to ownership, right? These are the rich Texan oil. Well, Tycoon people, the McNairs, and Dolman will know more about them. He spent about five years uh, of his career down in Houston and, and did some, some preseason stuff for the Texans. So the McNairs are just pretty hard to, to deal with right now uh, if, if you're a star player. J.J. could have done whatever he wanted, and there's backlash now. How's Watson still stuck, and how's Watt able to just walk? Well, from a what's well, from a mileage standpoint, you got a lot of miles yet to go if you're Watson, despite the sack numbers. And and JJ's, I mean, he's working on on
0: season number eleven. Yeah, and he's still making sixteen million a year. Was going to, yeah. So I, I just can't believe what the Texans did here. When you look at that roster from two years ago, that was a team that was. Arguably, a couple moves from they just—they just just lost in the AFC Championship last year. You look at it and you go, "Wow, this is a team that should be in win now mode." And last offseason, they went into win never mode. They dealt all their best players for nothing.
2: They—they have fallen as quickly
0: as quickly as the Broncos after their Super Bowl win, or or more (laughs) more
2: quickly than than look at Jacksonville. Mm. Right, I mean that's another team that was just in the AFC title game. We're talking four or five years ago. But the point is, is man, it takes you a while to build up to get your shot, and then bang, uh, everything is stripped. Jacksonville's three years ago. Was it just three? That was three? That's incredible. Okay. okay. Well, how these teams have fallen. That that just tells you the 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 fine line in the NFL. And you were you were look, Bill O'Brien did a lot of bad things, but I think from a draft standpoint, he. would Did pretty well. You're just not able to retain. And I think it's an ownership issue. The president was stepping away. Coley's probably like, well, we'll see what happens. This isn't fair to him. I mean, he's going to empty cupboards. I don't know what you do uh, other than change your uniform back to the Oilers. But I'm off the the beaten path with that. Um, Where does he go is is the question. And, And you have the invite by the rest of the Watts in the NFL TJ and Derek say come on to Pittsburgh but if I'm if I'm JJ man Green Bay's a player or two away defensively you've still got Aaron Rodgers you grew up a Packer fan going back to Wisconsin I go back to Wisconsin and I sign a a one-year deal figure out where to put me because Watt in that 3-4 can play with his hand in the ground, but he's athletic enough to be on the edge in Rome. Uh, I think that's a- an option for J.J. Watt. If I'm Green Bay, I'm, I'm calling him now. Uh, and it's-, it's a release, so he can go anywhere he wants. And from a compensation standpoint, uh, if I'm the Cowboys, I look at that very seriously. If I'm New England, I look at him. If I'm the Bears, I look at him. I mean, J.J.'s a Midwest guy. Pittsburgh's obviously the number one choice
0: because of the family ties and the style of defense. If you're J.J. Watt, do you go take a a small contract and go try to win a ring in Kansas City? Could. Who knows if there's interest there, but Kansas City seems like has been doing that. They've been going and picking up the aging stars that want a ring. They did it with Le'Veon Bell just a couple months ago.
2: Yeah, and and Le'Veon was an interesting situation. Uh, Belichick, I mean, there's too many questions in New England. Big name people in Dallas, that always makes Jerry, despite his uh, gas station wine smile. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence has already thrown out the old line in the water. (laughs) Uh, Denver. Denver's intriguing. Well, I mean, you got your edge rushers, you've still got Vaughn. We'll see what Vaughn does coming back from an Achilles from yeah. from that Achilles, which is brutal.
0: Then you got Bradley Chubb, young and up and comer. But Chubb's nice. The report from this morning, uh, Jeremy Fowler, ESPN NFL reporter, said that uh, Deshaun Watson's made a list of teams that he's intrigued to go to, and uh, top of the list are the 49ers and the Broncos. Why not? Uh, if I'm if I'm Dallas, I let Dak walk and I go get
2: Deshaun. Absolutely, that's yeah. my that's my move. So we'll see where JJ ends up. How much is left in the tank? We shall see with him. But we'll see, we'll see how many games the Texans lose next year. Well, uh, it's more about how many they win. I mean, do they get? Are they three and thirteen? You're going to have a new quarterback as well. We'll wind down hour one. It's Hale Varsity, were presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, The other thing that's been on our minds is the Big Ten and their concern for health and safety. When you look at the layoff, Nebraska was forced to deal with with COVID. You've seen Michigan shut down with a variant on campus. So let's slam some makeup work in. 11 games, 22 days for Michigan. Jawan Howard, not a fan. Uh, Fred Hoiberg will eat those vegetables, but hates the off day, minimal prep time, and a death march for a bad basketball team. When we talk about eight games in 14 days, you're going to have Nebraska and Illinois tonight. You're going to have Nebraska at Penn State Sunday. Have fun traveling to Siberia in uh, middle of nowhere State College. Then you get to go. Let's play two against the Terps, the 16th and the 17th, before it all ends with uh, hosting Purdue next Saturday. So we'll see if Nebraska can find a way to stay competitive. We'll see if Nebraska can find a way to get some legs. Illinois is going to be a handful tonight. But more so than, than just the, the, the flat out mismatch, it's been how and the way Nebraska's been playing. I mean, for Hoiberg's going to be signaling plays in from the sideline here because there's zero trust for guys to take smart shots, make smart decisions, and let the natural flow of the offense going. I mean, Hoiberg's putting the, the these guys, not everybody, but the trust is in question, and he's put the Nebraska offense in a timeout. We'll see if they can earn some trust back with, with better decision-making and maybe stretch that first 10 minutes against Wisconsin into more of a regular thing because you saw it worked. There was proof. And now uh, DeSomo comes in, uh, Kofi comes in, and uh, Nebraska g- going to be just in the midst of a of a really trying time. And the question is, do you force teams to to hit every one of these makeup games? If you're Nebraska and you're reeling, if you're Michigan, and right now you're a one seed. I mean, tomorrow they're going to release the the, the top 16 seeds. Kind of a reveal uh, a month before the NCAA tournament selection weekend. And, you know, only thing that can happen for Michigan right now is, to fall off that one line, that one seed by making them play more games? Do you wear them out trying to slam in 11 games? Or, since this is quite honestly about money and fulfilling your TV obligation to make money to get paid as a conference, what's scheduled for CBS on Sunday, what's scheduled for ESPN on Tuesday and Thursdays, what's scheduled for ESPN2, and what's scheduled for Fox? Make your... Your big games happen. make your TV requirements happen for the these marquee matchups. Make up uh, Michigan, Illinois that was supposed to happen Thursday. Your two one seeds in the league probably not a one seed right now for for Illinois. I, I I'm off with that. but Michigan is Ohio State's playing like a one seed right now. Don't don't hurt your top dog or one of your top dogs. Losses to a bubblicious Indiana. Not good to keep your one seed. Missteps against a Northwestern. Not cool. Uh, We'll dive into some more Big Red Thoughts. Bill Dolman on the way. Hour 2 with Hale Varsity. Presented by the Nebraska Lottery. we get you kicked off. It's Bill Dolman time, Pride of Fairberry, NBC Sports, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and uh, follow Bill on Twitter at Bill Dolman. Uh, it is ski weather outside, Billy D, with uh, sub-zero temperatures. How are you, sir?
5: You know, it actually is a little chilly out here in Colorado, so I kind of have an idea what you folks back home in Nebraska have been going through, although we don't have much of the the white stuff at all. But nevertheless, it does certainly remind one, that when you look outside and you feel the weather and whatnot, that it is, time for the World Biathlon Championships on the networks of NBC Sports and had a spectacular men's sprint today with Martin Ponseloma of Sweden pulling off the victory, two French guys second and third, and just a great way to kick off the World Biathlon uh, Championships in Polkyka, Slovenia, so having a great time with that, and I know everybody else is getting up with me at four o'clock in the morning uh, to watch and make the call.
2: I mean, I'm up with you. I mean, it, it's yeah. on, it's on. Uh, so, is it just? I
5: pro- hey, I promised you that I would be awake for this call this week, so oh, I, I, I'm
2: a man of my word. I yep. appreciate you doing that. Why the French? Uh, why, why does the French always finish second and third?
5: Well, it's a spectacular performance today, but uh, you know they, they they did not retreat today. Let's just that's, say that. That's where <laughs> I was going.
2: Yeah, so we yeah. surrender. Yes, did not retreat. Yep. So, a lot to cover during the week here, but. Uh, Friend of ours, Mitch Sherman. A friend of yours, Mitch Sherman, sent you his uh, his article, and you know, in reference to what Tennessee's been going through, Nebraska is uh, not quite uh, immune from from dodging rocks in said glass house. If there was something you would pick as to like most shocking or kind of wow factor. Was it the, the bow audio tapes for you in reference to Mitch's story? Was it Diaco's insanity or it sounded like insanity? Or was it some of the I-course missteps? I mean, what what leaves the biggest uh, burn mark uh, on your arm here in the last 10 years?
5: Well, first of all, Mitch Sherman is one of the finest sports writers out there. I will say this. And uh, the years that he was at the, at the Omaha World Herald and I mean, the World Herald's had one of the best sports writing staffs going and what he's doing at the athletic. Is uh, is fantastic as well. So I do want to get out, get that out there that that he is a pleasure to read, and I'm not sure that this trip through memory lane, however, was a pleasure uh, to walk through. At times, it felt like uh, walking through the dog park and making sure that you didn't get your shoes too dirty. <laughs> um, I, I, I was I was stunned and amused quite frequently in reading um, the, the number of times that Bo Pelini came up and Eichhorst came up. And then there'd be another, you know, the, the, you know, like a Bob Diaco thing, and then you come back to a Pelini icor story again, which just reminded me how, you know, both Pelini, uh, despite what happened at LSU this past year, you know, really I think is a pretty good football coach. To be honest with you, I mean, he had he had some success in Nebraska. He just had some incredibly bad mis- missteps. Uh, generated by by you know his own ineptitude with uh PR let's put it mildly um you know the the the, the berating of the fans uh, the 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 tapes uh, all that kind of stuff uh, they, i i, I kind of chuckle looking back the, the i course thing i think is sad because that you know it goes back to what's really been nebraska's problem for so long and that's been just the the demise of of leadership outside of Tom Osborne and Bill Byrne. And, you know, Tom tried to to get things back on track. And I think to a certain extent, you know, did, Um, but you know, the the Steve Peterson, you know, disaster was, was the true was a real true setback because I think, I think just collectively Nebraska, we felt let down by one of ours. And, and I think that that was a bit of a, the unraveling of the, the culture. I mean, that's outside of the 10-year period that Mitch was writing about. But then to bring in a guy like Sean Eichhorst, who just had you know, no business whatsoever being the athletic director in Nebraska, and I guess he's you know, landed at Texas now, but that was just an incredibly bad fit and just bad leadership. And that was awful. And just you know, the, the cliche, misreading the room. Um, it certainly applies probably. And I, I don't know, Sean, I, of course, I just observed that from afar. That's just a, a daily basis of misreading the room. Um, you know, the Black Friday stuff and the Minnesota and the Iowa, and it's just, just not good. Um, but then it circles back to Pelini again and with another, you know, another story. So there's so much, it, it has been a a bad eventful, you know, past decade, and, you know, I I, I guess I, Kind of thank Mitch for that that walk down memory lane, although that did rekindle some, some, some bad memories. So how do you uh, exercise
2: the demon? Do we need a live chicken? I mean, what, what do we do here?
5: Uh, you know, <laughs> there are a couple of things in there where... You know, that I, I've always said sometimes it's just one moment in time that, that things change pretty dramatically. And, and I g- agree with, uh, I'm not sure which one of the guys that he was talking to made the point. But I, I really think that if if Nebraska plays Akron in that season opening game, uh in 2000 what was it 18. Mm -hmm. I I think things are a lot different I mean there was such an incredible vibe they're going to win that game they got a little bit of momentum and they're going to win again and I I think that was one moment where things just completely went wrong and you know maybe there is uh, a win you know in the offing in the early part of next season where things do turn around and people get it maybe there's a moment in the off season that we don't know about you know I I'm reading the, uh, the, uh, the Brendan Hymas article that you sent me. And one thing that stuck out was it just doesn't sound like there was a whole lot of buy-in, which takes me, in, you know, back into my memory Rolodex. And I've talked about this on this show many, many times. You know, sitting in the hot sun in the summer, watching the 93, 4, 5, 6 teams, 7 teams practice in the summer with, you know, 150 guys on the field out of accountability to each other in the program. And look what happened. You know, and I remember the story of before we played in the kickoff classic against West Virginia. They made a big deal that West Virginia had; they were all jazz because they had forty-eight guys that came that stuck around for the summer to to prepare for the year. Well, that's not like half their roster, maybe. And I remember telling Boyd Epley that story. Or, you know, telling myself that story. He goes, "I think we might have had forty-eight guys miss a workout, you know, during the course of the summer, and that's it." You know, and and I'm not sure that there's that buy-in. That's what I kind of read into, just that, that brief little comment that he made to the reporter and whatever it was, the spun or something like that, that maybe there's just not that, that culture that is there, and maybe it will be this summer. And all of a sudden, things you know, turn around right away at the beginning of next year, and I think that's what it's going to take. And it might be one moment where it all comes together. Hopefully that's the case, because we're due one.
0: Bill, one comment in that stuck out to me, and that was whenever Hymas said that uh, guys like him and Adrian Martinez and, uh, and Matt Farniok were all working to try to get the team on the same page, and it just never really clicked last season. Do you think that just shows that there is still some division between the coaching staff and guys that were Mike Riley guys or guys that uh, were have been here uh, for a few more years and some of the newer guys they are bringing in?
5: I don't know if, but if, it's, if it's that disconnect between one era to the next, or if it's just maybe that disconnect of, you know, is... Are the roots deep? And is there, you know, the desire to go be great in college? I've talked about this many times. A lot of times when a guy seems to sign his national letter of intent after being, you know, coddled and wooed for however however many years by coaches all around the country telling you how great they are, that it's like that professional athlete that, you know, gets that big free agent signing. That all of a sudden I got my fat contract. I'm going to make, you know, $100 million over the next four years. And what do I, you know, what do I care? I'm going to get mine. And I think sometimes you see high school kids that, you know, they, they pick the place that they're going to go to. They're going to get their iPad. They're going to sit in the locker the locker room that looks like an all, law office. They're going to get all the swag from whatever brand that they want. And, you know, they made it. So the, the, the hunger may not be there. And I think that's something that's probably within Nebraska's program is cultivated from within the border. And, you know, one of the things that, that John Bishop uh, alluded to in, that, in the uh, article by Mitch Sherman and I kind of thought about this too—that we put so much on those Calabrasca kids, you know, the Gebbia or Jebbia, and and Keyshawn Johnson, and all these kids from out. And you know, there's still some pretty good kids that play within the state or close. You know, we we built that program back in the days. You know, on Nebraska guys, Iowa guys, Missouri guys, Kansas guys, and walk-on guys, and all that. And and there was that culture. And so if you came here, you were going to get worked, and you might get outworked. And if you did, and if you didn't go try to be better, you're going to be gone and you're going to play. And that's just the bottom line. And, and it reminded me when I read that it, um, of the day that, that the four-year case of the flu fired Frank Solich. And, you know, there were like 50 or 60, you know, there were like 50 or 60 players in that room, you know, that were standing behind the press corps when, when the announcement was made that, you know, that, that he was going to make a change and you know, they had been rumored for a while, but he made the statement like, we just, we just don't have good, you know, basically we don't have good players. You know, we don't have NFL-type wide receivers. And that, that's, everything was like predicated on, we don't have, you know, Keyshawn Johnson you know, in our program. And, and, and I remember looking at some of those players as this announcement is being made, like, you know, this guy from North Platte, one of us, just completely kicked all of those guys uh, south of the border. And said, you're not good enough to play at Nebraska. Well, you know, those guys are the ones who are the heart and soul that made Nebraska what it was and made those guys who came in to play at Nebraska better. Because if you weren't that tough, if you weren't Husker tough, then you weren't going to be around. But if you got tough, you're going to win. And that's what happened. But there he was saying, well, we just don't have the talent in the program. True or not, you still had the work ethic. And you still had guys who believed in what Nebraska was about. And I think to a certain extent that that has just been lost. And... You know, and I think Scott understands that. And trying to, but trying to reestablish that is pretty tough. Now you've got some guys coming from, you know, out state walking on, and you know the Harvard kid and all that, and kids from Omaha are sticking around. So maybe, maybe that develops once again, but it's certainly going to take some time. Bill
2: Dolman's with us, Hale of Our City Radio, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. had Bill Dolman on Twitter, what would have happened if Bernard Thomas? And Smiley would have ridden down in the elevator together with no cameras and no one in the room.
5: Bernard Thomas.
2: Lost it at that press conference right after hearing what you just described about Smiley talking about not good enough players here.
5: Well, you know, I, don't, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, that room had gotten this, you know, Steve had lost the room, you know, Months earlier, it was, that was just one other comment that he made where it, 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 things just started to unravel. Like where's our leadership? Mm-hmm. Doesn't anybody who's up there other than Tom understand who we are? You know, it, and I remember asking the question, you know, when the whole Houston said nothing blew up and, you know, he made the comment that, well, maybe Nebraska fans just don't understand what the process is about. Well, yeah, we don't fire people. We didn't, maybe we don't, but don't go out and say, well, Nebraska people just aren't as smart as Pittsburgh you know, Panther fans are, you know, our players aren't as good as other players are. So, and it, I, I think Steve had lost, it'd been more than just that common. He lost it a long time before then. And the whole, you know, leaving Frank Hank out to drive for as long as he did, allowing rumors and whatnot, it just was awful. And, you know, just bad leadership begets, you know, bad things. And that's unfortunately happened for more than just 10 years. Bill, uh, Mitch could go. Mitch could go way back if he wanted to.
2: No, I know he could. Bill, a thought with Nebraska basketball: Huskers going to try and slam uh, eight games into fourteen days, and it's not been going well as is. What's your take here on the Big Ten and being in <laughs> the Big Ten being hell bent on makeup games between Nebraska and Michigan?
5: I, 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 are they playing the Bulls and then the Trailblazers and then the Nets and then uh, the Heat and? You know, for, for all that stuff that was said back in the fall about the players and the health and all that, and, and then to, to slam a schedule like this together, um, I think they just completely make it up as they go along. And speaking of leadership, I mean, once this whole season is said and done, um, basketball, and, and I would start having discussions during baseball, um, <laughs> but the Big Ten's really got to do some real soul-searching. You're never going to hear about it, certainly, but the leadership in the Big Ten, and I don't think it's just you know Kevin Warren. There's there's more to it than that. But this has just been a, a, an abject failure of, of leadership again. And to, to have a a team like Nebraska or anybody go, we're going to play you know every other day for a week and a half. Then you're going to get a week off unless you have some games canceled. Then we're going to put some more games into that week and then go have a conference tournament. Um, it's it, I mean, guys want to play, but it seems to me pretty hypocritical as to the way this whole thing is playing out. And you know, and look, Nebraska's not very good. <laughs> Let's just face it. I don't know. I don't know why they look good. They certainly look good, you know, in their uniforms, and they they look good on the court. And and I'm and you look at their stats. Their stats are almost dead even with their opponents. I mean, points seventy three seventy one, rebounding two point difference the 3 point shooting i thought would be like you know a, a monstrous advantage to the opponents they're both shooting 31% and the opponents are actually shooting more and missing more than nebraska i mean thank god for mcneese state and down maybe that's what's all you know has everything kind of evened out but uh, you know, watching nebraska is a bit like watching james harden i mean they're going to cast up shots and it doesn't really matter if they go in or not they're just going to launch them and if they score great but they're going to look good doing it not that James Harden looks great, but that's what it typically typically reminds me of.
2: Bill, I'm about out of time. JJ Watt ends up where? Twenty seconds.
5: Well, I, I hope that he ends up in Green Bay. I think that would be a great place for him to attend his his career, whether or not you know they need him or I think it'd be fantastic for him to go there. He would be beloved immediately, or to go to Pittsburgh and play with his brothers would be pretty cool too. But uh the last one out of Houston, you know, uh, make sure you shut the lights off because it's a disaster there right now.
2: It is. Billy D is with us. Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, Bill Dolman at Bill Dolman on Twitter. Bill, get some rest. We'll chat next week. Thanks for the time, brother.
5: And don't forget, get up early and watch your biathlon.
2: Will do. NBC with Bill Dolman. Thanks, Billy D. Jacob Bedilla, get a check in. Some volleyball thoughts and some hoops. Big weekend on the way. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Let's say hi to Jacob Padilla, hailvarsity.com and magazine at Jacob Padilla underscore. Jacob, crazy weekend. You got coverage kicked off with Husker Volleyball. They sweep through. Give me some uh, reaction to Nebraska, whack and Rutgers.
3: Yeah, um, it... <laughs> It's always better than uh a win is always better than the alternative, but uh John Cook wasn't wasn't totally pleased with uh, the way his team played today. Had a few players kinda step up and play well individually, but overall um they had some issues and they, they should never should never fall behind by seven points against Rutgers, even though Rutgers have been improving recently. Um but the the nice thing is they get to uh run it back tomorrow and see if they can can clean up some of the the stuff that gave them problems t- uh, today
2: well and that's one of those you, you travel you, you make the roadie and you're supposed to dominate and sometimes you just I don't know prior is focused because you're you're supposed to do what you're supposed to do but Nebraska found a way to, to, to fight through uh, well, Fred, go ahead you
3: got all the uh, the testing issues and all that going on this season as well so that just kind of adds even more to the kind of the plate uh, of them getting ready to play for a match, kind of weighing on them.
0: Jacob, we didn't get a chance to watch the match. We were here doing the show, obviously. Um, but I saw on Twitter that there were some hairy moments in the, in the second set. Huskers found themselves down, I think, 10-4 at one point. Uh, what changed during that second set to allow the Huskers to, to kind of come back and get that sweep?
3: Yeah, actually, they fell behind 10-4. And then out of the timeout, um, Rucker served up an ace and made it 11-4, so they were down by seven. And then uh, John Cook uh, made a move. He was like, well, i got to do something here. And he sent in a uh, retro freshman, Emma Gable, from a walk-on from Lincoln Pius to 10th, who missed her freshman year while recovering uh, from an ACL she tore in the spring of 2019. So that was her first, her first uh, action as a Nebraska Cornhusker is to get out there with the team down seven points and she went out there and did her job, and kind of helped uh, settle down Nebraska a little bit with, uh, with with passing. She had a couple of digs in there, and uh, Nebraska was able to kind of right the ship there and take control and finish off uh, finish off that second set to avoid losing uh, to Rucker, or dropping a set to Rutgers for the first time since I think 1985 or something like that.
2: <laughs> well, uh, Nebraska able to to motor through. Let's switch to basketball. How will tonight go with uh, with Coach Hoiberg? Maybe going with more sets versus the free flow, and he's been just drained. and And I know your your question um, at the end of the presser was was on the money with, uh, with with Andre and some of his performance. So there is some improvement individually with Nebraska basketball players but overall they, and they even looked good for, you know, eight to ten minutes uh, against Wisconsin, and then it kind of reverted back to uh, let's shut our eyes and throw the ball up. With, with more hands-on, with Fred, more micromanaging, do you think they can can be competitive tonight against Illinois?
3: <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's going to be tough no matter what they do, but um, I, I went back and actually you can look at, got the story up on helprc.com right now is I went back and looked over those first 10 minutes and then kind of what changed the rest of the half and, and how that kind of carried over in the second half. And, um, they, they were running a lot of, a lot of good stuff early on. They, they had, uh, some great movements and both guys on and off the ball. We had some good back cuts had Derek Walker out there, setting some good screens to get shooters open. Um, and guys were sharing the ball. Um, on like the the ball movement and the man movement was good. Um, And then they just had a tough time sustaining it. Uh, A couple of shots didn't fall. They they made their first four threes. And then I thought their next two looks were pretty decent, but they didn't fall. And then things kind of spiraled from there. Guys started trying to do a little bit too much. um, And guys started missing some decent looks on top of that. And then we had some of the turnovers where some were bad decisions. Some were just carelessness where guys shuffle on their feet um it's just kind of all those things snowballed and that's kind of what's happening to nebraska this year and so maybe that is the key to where uh hoiberg takes away some of the kind of the, the decision making the agency of the guys to read the play and then make the right decision and kind of puts them in uh a situation to kind of more all right here's what we're doing on this play um let, let's see if we can get a good look here on this end. obviously you're not going to be able to do that every single time down. Like, this isn't high school. Uh, you're not going to have success that way. Guys aren't going to want to play that way. you got to let guys um, kind of go out there and, and play their games. But at the same time, maybe this is kind of will allow Nebraska to kind of avoid falling into these ruts that they fall into, where it's just long, extended stretches of guys making bad decisions, um, and, and whether it's forcing up shots or bad passes or whatever it may be. At, at, at the same time, guys are going to have to hit the shots, too, no matter what play Fred calls. At the end of the, at the, end of the, the action there, someone's, there's someone's going to have to take a shot. And this season, they, they struggled um, to, to finish at the rim, uh, mid-range from three. Um, guys just haven't played well enough to sustain good offense for 40 minutes. So that's going to be the key. Uh, Illinois – going to be tough to do it against them they're scoring almost 80 points a game so nebraska cannot they cannot give away possessions in this game they've got to make good decisions and they can't let the illini get out in the open court
2: when it comes to not hitting shots or or decision making you've got different athletes and guys have strengths but collectively it just it just hasn't clicked is this level too big for some of the guys on the team yeah,
3: well, the, what's interesting is like you've got guys that have played somewhat at this level before. I, it just seems like a lot of these guys don't aren't fitting together right now, and they've got some struggles in some similar similar areas, and kind of the collection uh, just isn't it's, it isn't greater than the sum of its parts right now. And so, you, you, I think you've got a guy like Teddy Allen. I think he can succeed at this level, and. He's done it a little bit better than some of these other guys, but um, if he's playing on a team with no spacing, you're going to get some really ugly possessions. Hmm. And Delano Banton, kind of the same thing, where um, he's shown the ability to get in the, in the lane and make plays for himself, for others, to push the uh, push the pace and transition and make things happen. But he's struggling to kind of r- regularly create because – of one, uh, the lack of the jump shot, Uh, it just hasn't quite developed far enough, and two, uh, the packed lanes. And Trey McGowan's kind of similar thing, where he's a guy that struggles with bodies in the paint, um, kind of struggles to make the right decisions and reads and that kind of thing. So I think the biggest problem right now is this team, there's just not enough shooting on the team. And I, I think in other situations, each of these guys could have more success than they're having right now but you put all three of them together and then the, kind of the lack of spacing around them. And that's where we get kind of what we're see, what we've seen this season with Nebraska.
0: Yeah, and Nebraska seems to just find themselves outmatched in a lot of games they play this season. And I, uh, I, I'm i trying to be unbiased here, but I, I don't see that changing at all tonight. Um, they're going to have their hands full with uh, big man Kofi down low. It's their first real future NBA seven-footer that they've had to deal with this season. How do they even try to keep a guy like that in check? <laughs>
3: Yeah, that's, that's going to be the, – the tough part about that is they, they've got Kofi inside, and then you've got – I would assume too, that will tear you apart uh, yeah. if you put too much attention Kofi's way. So it's just going to have to be a total collective team effort where guys are on a string. We've seen them play some good defense throughout these – and even since they've returned, they're, they're defending well enough to win all of these games. They're holding teams under 40%. Uh, I think the Wisconsin shot – like. from the field uh, in that game. so I think we're seeing some good defensive effort. Um, They just haven't been able to score well enough for it to matter. So if guys can um, be in the right spots, execute the game plan, and play on a string where you're sending the double team and then guys are rotating out of that and taking away the open looks for the right guys on the perimeter because they've got some shooters out there too. So the guys are going to have to fly around. They're going to have to put in a lot of effort on defense. And then just hope that um, you know, you've got enough left to kind of create some good looks on offense.
0: Jacob, we'll cross our fingers for, uh, for a good game tonight, but I know we're going to get some uh, good games of basketball this weekend at the uh, Heartland Hoops Classic. Before we actually get into the, the matchups, uh, there's some awesome just national top 25 games going on out there in, in GI this weekend. Can you first just speak a little about what those guys have put on in Grand Island? Because, I mean, I remember a couple years ago they had Oak Hill, they've had IMG come to, to GI and play some of the best teams in Nebraska.
3: Yeah, uh, Tino Martinez, the head coach at a Grand Island, Central Catholic, who organizes this event, does a great job every year. And he, he's done a good job of kind of developing relationships with some of the top uh, prep, uh, prep schools in the country. Like you mentioned, IMG Academy came here last year and was a great game against Miller North. We've had Sunrise Christian Academy that have come here, um, I think, the last five years or so. Oak Hill Academy is going to be back again after um, Omaha Central knocked them off in Grand Island a handful of years back um, and kind of really established themselves as kind of like a powerhouse that everybody in Nebraska was going to remember. So um, it's kind of a, it's a big stage, both for small school teams that get to play against teams from other classes. You get to see some really good players out there. And then also you have the showcase games where um, if Nebraska's got a good enough team, he knows kind of, is going to pit them up against, um, a national powerhouse, and that's what we're going to see. And we get, we get a double dose of this, uh, of that this year with Bellevue West taking on Sunrise Christian Academy, who just beat Montverde Academy, who had won 40 some straight games. Um, and then Miller North has taken on Oak Hill Academy, which is always a traditional power. So um, should be a good uh, couple of uh, good games tomorrow night. And tonight, uh, those two teams are actually playing each other out in Grand or out in Hastings rather um as kind of a precursor to tomorrow's event and you can catch all that uh you can purchase a um streaming option on strive they're going to be showing the games there both tonight and all day tomorrow
2: jacob a minute left uh can we carry you over i'd like a little more in depth if i got three more minutes out of you with uh the bellevue west and millard north matchups with oak hill and sunrise can we do that
3: Yeah,
2: I'm not going anywhere. All right, man. Hang tight. Stay warm. Stay bundled. Get your J.J. Watt Green Bay jersey picked out, okay? (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) Hang on for me. Jacob Bedilla is going to be back with us here, kind of get his breakdown on Oak Hill, Millard North, Sunrise Christian Academy, and Bell West. And both those teams are so much fun to, to watch. I've seen Millard North a couple of times this year, I've seen Bellevue West, and going back to last year. Having a chance to do a couple of Bell West games. They're incredible and excited for the state tournament. And thankfully to have 75% capacity at uh, sporting events. uh, I'll have East and uh, Southwest tonight here on ESPN. Mozi will have uh, Southeast and Lincoln High over on KFOR. But no, plenty of good basketball. State tournament's around the corner for the girls. State tournament's around the corner for the boys. And this Grand Island event has been legendary with Oak Hill and IMG and Sunrise.
0: I mean, it's it's putting Nebraska basketball teams in like a a national spotlight.
2: Well, it is, and the Nebraska teams are in their own spotlight because they're getting nationally recognized as well. More with Jacob Padilla coming up on Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
1: And we're back. Fellas, we could listen
2: to the radio on hail varsity radio presented by the nebraska lottery yes that's awesome back with you it's hail varsity presented by the nebraska lottery jacob padilla still with us uh bless his heart for doing a, a, a longer segment with this hail and magazine at uh, jacob padilla underscore is uh, where you find him and read him also with hail and magazine and, of course, uh, your podcast. Jacob, are you going to be cranking out a podcast tonight with Damon Benning?
3: <laughs> no, we're going to wait uh, wait until Monday, to our, our typical time, to um, kind of look back on the, the weekend as a whole and hit on everything that's going down.
2: Well, you uh, had a chance to preview the Heartland Hoops Classic. We spent a little bit of time before. The timeout and how does Millard North match up from from your viewpoint with Oak Hill? How does Bell West match up with Sunrise Christian?
3: Yeah, this Oak, this Oak Hill Academy team isn't quite what we what you typically think of Oak Hill. Um, they don't have the, the same number of high level guys that I think we're used to seeing. Uh, so I think this is I think they're maybe ranked. 18th or something like that their, their top 20 team and Miller north is um also a top 25 like in the 2025 range i forget where exactly but kind of depending on the rankings you look at so it's i think much more of a, a even type of matchup than we typically get in this game um where it's kind of the, the upstart plucky nebraska team going up against this national powerhouse um Oak Hill doesn't have the same level of talent's had in the past but the guy that kind of watch out for is MJ Rice, who's a six kind of powerful wing. He's a top 25 recruit in the, the junior class. Um, and then they've got a couple of seniors and Jalen Ricks and Cameron Carter, a um, couple of perimeter players that kind of lead the way for them. So I, I think Miller North um, could have a chance to actually win this game. We haven't seen many Nebraska teams knock, uh, knock these visiting programs off, but uh, if they get uh, big games out of Hunter Salas and um, St. Thomas and guys like Jason Green and Tyler Sandoval can kind of hold their own in the paint, um, I think we should see a really good game that one. The, the Sunrise Christian Academy against Bellevue West game, that's a little bit more interesting just in terms of the, the matchups and how one team is going to play compared to the other. I saw on, uh, on, on Tuesday um, where uh, Waukee, Iowa, came and played at Bellevue West. And uh, Waukee is big, they go 6'5, 6'7", 6'7, 6'7, 6'7, 6'8, and they're starting five. And belby west has a couple of smaller guards, and Chucky Hepburn and Josiah Dosler, and then 6'5, Greg Brown, 6'6, Frankie Fiddler, and 6'7, William Kyle, uh, the third. And then they don't really, they've got a, about 6'5 wing coming off the bench, but other than that, not much size. So, um, Sunrise has you got Kenny Poto, um, 6'11, who is committed to. Uh, Minnesota, and Zach Clements, uh, about 6'9", um, big guy committed to Kansas. And both guys are capable of stepping out and shooting from the perimeter. And then you got a couple of bigger wings in Kendall Brown, who's heading to Baylor uh, as a five-star recruit, really athletic, kind of a freak wing. And then Grady Dick, 6'7", is a junior, who um, Kansas and a whole host of others are after. Um, and he's 6'7". Uh, so you got a lot of, wing, uh, a lot of size kind of uh, on the wings and inside for Sunrise uh, Christian Academy that Bellevue West doesn't really have. And on Tuesday, they made, Bellevue West made up for that by really getting up in Waukee's in face and pressuring the ball as soon as they cross half court and just making it tough for them to get off good looks and to get the ball inside. Uh, and they just kind of pressure them relentlessly, and they're going to have to do the same thing I think, to have a chance against Sunrise. The difference here is uh, Sunrise also has one of the best point guards in the country in Kennedy Chandler, who is going to be a Tennessee volunteer. So that's going to be an absolute blast, watching Chandler and Chucky Hepburn go at each other. Um, I, I, it's, it's going to take a really big effort for Bellevue West um, to, to knock off Sunrise, but I, we've seen that team pull off some uh, incredible things before with Hepburn leading the way.
2: Chucky just has that it. Uh, Miller North has a collection of, of fantastic high-level talent. And I saw them a couple weeks ago against North Star. And the way they shared the ball was was incredible. I mean, just so unselfish, man. And they're, they're trying to set up their teammate for the highlight play versus forcing something. And two, uh, two really, really awesome teams. You and I have had a chance to see the last couple of years. And uh, we'll see him again at, at PBA here in a couple of weeks. Um, uh, last thought here, Jacob. As you look at, at the rest of of the rundown, you know, with with prep, with Central, even with 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 Trout in Grand Island. I mean, how how and you cover this really from from start to finish with the high school talent. Is this as good a collection of, of juniors and seniors as you've seen in a while, or? Is there some on on the periphery that is is going to be kind of wow factorish for the state as well?
3: Yeah, I think uh, kind of the, the top end talent here is I think a step up from what we've seen. We've we've had the the talent kind of typically uh, ebbs and flows. Yeah. You'll have some years where you got five, seven plus Division one players, and then we'll have like I think it was twenty sixteen where Tristan Simpson was the only. Uh, right. player that signed the D1 school out of high school from uh, down there in Lincoln. So um, it, it kind of adds and flows, but we, I don't think we've had this kind of um, class where you've got uh, Chucky Hepburn is a five-star player. You've got, or sorry, Hunter Salas is a five-star player, and we've seen everything that Chucky Hepburn, he's a one, top 150 player himself, mm-hmm. had into a Big Ten school, and we've seen everything he's in, accomplished throughout his career. And then you've got guys like Jason Green, and Isaac Trout, who is just absolutely rocketing up the rankings um, as legitimate um, high major uh, prospects early on. And we've got some other kids that are um, kind of on that fringe of D1, D2, kind of looking to, to, to really attract some attention. So I think uh, it's probably somewhat similar in terms of just the depth of talent and the the, the number of guys that will have a shot to, for, to play at various levels. But the, the really top end of the uh, of the talent, um, I think, is at a higher level than what we've seen. At, le- at least during the time that I've uh, been following high school basketball. Obviously, I wasn't around for mm-hmm. um, early on when we had uh, some of the, some of the greatest players to come out that everybody knows that everybody mentions. Right. But recently, in, in, uh, in the last. Decade or so. I think this is as good as the top end talent as we've seen.
2: You know, you talk to folks and it reminds people of late 80s, early 90s with Strick and Badgett and Woolridge and and Boone and, and that crew out of Omaha. Uh, it was it was pretty high level. It did pretty nice things for Nebraska in the Big Eight. Jacob, uh, safe travels. Have a, have a great time covering that. We'll be checking HaleVarsity.com. We'll be checking your podcast with Damon Benning Monday for a recap of the weekend of the uh, Heartland Hoops Classic. Thanks for your time today, bud.
3: Yep, I'll talk to you guys
2: later. My right, buddy. There he is, Jacob Padilla with him. Follow him for his updates, his thoughts, his takes on this uh, this great basketball Rendezvous in uh, the central part of Nebraska in Grand Island, the Hoops, Heartland Hoops Classic. How cool is that, man? Um,
0: my, I mean, I know Hunter Salas is like a great talent, but I, I just wonder, would these other guys in Nebraska be getting the same attention if it wasn't for the Heartland Hoops Classic? It, it kind of just brings the attention to Nebraska uh, and the high school basketball scene once a year. I think there's been enough wow that's happened
2: mm-hmm. with Nebraska. I mean, look at all the schools that recruited Donovan a year ago. Oh yeah. I mean, look at look at uh, Altman. I know he's at Oregon, but he still has his ears here in Nebraska. I mean, there there's good local talent, uh, big time local talent, and a lot of the kids that we cover in Lincoln, they're uh, they're playing with some of that talent during summer ball. We'll wind down a Friday next miss us?
1: Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing.
2: We're on call for you. Catch the
1: podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: One final time, Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery Weekend Edition tomorrow. Have the rewind with Coach Gary Barnett, the Iron Horse will check in, Brandon Vogel. A lot to get through with uh, myself and Cranack. You
0: in, Mignana? Of course I am. I wouldn't miss it for the world. And you're like stuck here tonight? Well, I'm not stuck here. I'm listening to some good high school basketball. Well, what I meant is
2: <laughs> you're going you're gonna to step two feet out the door to go get uh, some, some steak and eggs at the, uh, the cafe next door, and you're going to turn right back around and stay <laughs> warm
0: in here. So I, I was born and raised in Nebraska. I, I can handle a little negative five degree weather. It ain't too bad. So we got to do a steak and a beer bet. Are we going to do it on Nebraska basketball tonight? Well, uh, I guess we can. I was looking through some of the other
2: games we could pick from, but there's not lines out yet for tomorrow or Sunday. It'll be Wisconsin and Michigan Sunday. We can make our own lines. No, we could. I think we can go to Nebraska, Illinois. The line has dropped. How's it now? It was 15, 15 and a half this morning. It's now down to 14.
0: And usually those late moving lines like that means that you got some, some, not people in the know, but some people who bet a lot betting for Nebraska. The Sharps. Here's
2: the thing. Illinois, as great as they are, as talented as they are, they can really look and play horrible. Mm -hmm. And it's Friday night. It's 8.30 tip off, 8 or 8.30. They have a 90% chance to win, according to the matchup predictor for ESPN Basketball Power Index. Oh, man. Uh that, that late moving line's a little bit intriguing. Well, the the points per game, it says Illinois 81, Nebraska 71. Nebraska allows 73, Illinois allows 68. Illinois's last. Five. They lost uh, against Ohio State at home by six. They whacked Penn State. They beat Iowa by five. They won in overtime at Indiana, and then they, uh, they beat Wisconsin. They're supposed to play Michigan Thursday. That's, that was postponed. But they, they really whacked Wisconsin pretty good. I I just have a weird feel here. Now tell me this. What was the line with Nebraska Wisconsin? Was that like fourteen, thirteen and a half half? I believe
0: it was thirteen on the dot. Okay, so it's thirteen on the dot Nebraska lost by fourteen. So they they barely did barely, not cover. barely
2: didn't cover. So how are we gonna do this? Does Nebraska cover tonight? Is a simple question. I say no. I say Illinois has got it. I you think I, they'll come drop the hammer. You think they'll fly into Lincoln on a Friday, Jack with COVID testing. Uh, go to an empty PBA, and after watching Nebraska, who's lost twenty five straight, you think they'll really take Nebraska seriously tonight? Oh no, no, but I still but, think they're. But it, won't, but it won't matter. I still think they're good enough to beat us eighty four sixty five. So you're telling me that a team that that could win by almost twenty, like Minnesota, uh, and miss eighteen straight shots, it's
0: one of those. Give me Nebraska and give me the cover. Be my guest. Have steak, that. Steak and a beer. Steak and a beer. I'll take uh, Illinois. What, what, so we're going to go with the most recent line? We're going to go with 14 and a half. 14. Yeah, I can do we're, that. We're going to go happy medium. Yeah. Illinois 14 and a half. Let's go. I it. am insane.
2: But I'm taking Nebraska to cover. And if Fred's going offensive coordinator, he's going to show up with a headset on. It'll work for the cover. We'll talk to you in a Weekend edition of Hale Varsity. Thanks. Take care.